this week on The Other Kind Radio. Where have we been? Friends reboot, and a big mammal takes on a big lizard. All that and then some headed your way. It's March 3rd, 2021, and this is episode 104. Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to the podcast known as the Other Kind Radio. The other, uh, the other kind radio is a podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture and deliver to you the kind listener. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of your hosts. Before we get uh, too far into this pop culture curry, we call we call. See, this is the problem with having time off, folks. Before we get too far into this pop culture curry, we encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe to The Other Kind Radio. By doing so, you're keeping and helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. You know, at least the kind listener will will ever, will be the first to know if we're ever taken over by body snatchers. Because the day I get that out cleanly, uh, I'm retiring. That's it. Uh, do want to thank our uh, sponsor. Been with us for quite a while now. Pub 134 is a cozy pub located at Maple Village, right here at 90th and Maple, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, they've got, you know, spring is sprung or is springing. And uh, they've got uh, bags, tournaments they're doing, uh, a bazillion TVs in there, cold beer on tap. Uh, some of the best bartenders uh, in Omaha, Patrick, Nick himself there, Addy, Joyce, always there, always happy to see a friendly face. So make sure you take some time when you're out and about, head out down to one pub, pub 134, and uh, tell them the other kind radio sent you. They may do something for you. All right. Now let's get on with the real part of the show. Let's welcome my podcast partner. He is a family generator. Film school graduate, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, all around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great state of Texas, and delivering the pop culture significance of the number 104, please welcome Todd. Yeah, I, I feel like I haven't talked to you in, oh, four months, and so much so that I don't have the, the number pulled up yet, so uh, there there's my behind the scenes. Well, I'm ready yeah, and... I don't, we don't even have to do that. Uh, no, I want to. I, I'm I'm just scrambling to get it done. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm so glad to have the show back on and have you on here. Uh, a, a real professional would have read through that a couple times. I didn't. I was running around this morning um, trying to get psyched up for being on air and what kind of stories to cover and everything. So um, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you're here and I'm sure I'm, glad I'm here too. Um, I'm sure you have some, some, something pulled up at some point about one Oh three. Uh, basically, you know, 
any like anything else, if you take take some time off, um, it's rusty. One hundred three or one hundred one. One hundred actually, it's one hundred four. One hundred four. Good Let's see Lord. if I can make this work. They're gonna take our po- they're gonna take our podcast license away. Man, Man I am pulling up some stuff that is. Oh, I am telling you, this is gonna kill people. <laughs> We've been away so long. Right. Thomas Sullivan. Have you ever heard the name Thomas Sullivan? Sullivan's Travels? No, oh. Jeff. Tom Sullivan invented tea bags by accident in 1903. He wanted small bags to be the samples of tea, and then people decided to dunk them into water instead. How about that? I thought you were talking about the other kind of tea bagging, but okay, that's good. Uh, wow, we took four <laughs> months off, but we were really blue on this show. <laughs> Uh, Peter Pan was written in 1904, pardon me. Um, And I think I said 03 before. Boy, we are really... This is awesome. I kind of like it. I like this train wreck episode. The wheels have have fallen off the bus. Nobody's driving. And we just hit a pack of penguins. And when I say penguins, I don't mean nuns. Well, you know... (laughs) (laughs) And this will kind of fit the way we're, we're ham-fisted handling this. The term hangover came into the vernacular in 1904. And prior to that, take a guess what people had said if you were recovering from a night on the town. What do you think people called it? Um, my, my, my tummy's all wobbly. That's a good guess. Crapulous. <laughs> Crapulous was the term. Crapulous. Ah. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that, but hangover comes in into the vernacular in 1904. Also in 1904, the T-shirt was invented by the Cooper Underwear Company and marketed to bachelors who couldn't sew or replace buttons. Oh, nice! I, I things that you just did not know. Cooper T-shirts. Um, singers that were popular during that time. I'm not seeing a one of them that I know. Wow, Cher? the Hayden Quartet, the pure, yes, Cher, Cher is actually, <laughs> she was really relevant back then. Wow. Um, I don't think anybody, Olympic, what? I don't think anybody in the audience knows singers from, from 1903, so I think you're okay. Or 1904, good Lord. Man, did we go into the 04 thing. Um, <laughs> wow, there's just not a lot. These people were really boring. The the Boston Marathon winner was Michael Spring with a time of two hours, 38 minutes, and four seconds. That's back in 1904? 1904. 1904. That's before Gatorade and Ben Gay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. Speaking of which, that'd be a good band name, Gatorade and Ben so? Gay. Stay hydrated and... You know, work on your joints. Have you been just, saving we, up all this material during we, all this time? Yeah, right. All this material, the 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 teapot is empty. I, you know what? I will. I will. I don't share many points of this show with with close loved ones, but I will let them know that at 1904, the tea bag was invented. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're going to not tell them that it was the dipping kind once again. It's right. Be the kind I don't. That you want to talk? About. I don't think my parents know what teabagging is. I, I even I'm on the backside of teabagging. Wait, <laughs> are you on the backside? <laughs> okay, this might be the shortest episode we ever do. Um, yes, once again, thank you for joining us. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit before the program began. Last time we did the show was on December fourth. 
Wow. And, you know, as I'm alluded to, taking some time off and other things, the, the truth of the matter is, kind listener, we've actually had shows um, and we had some great guests. Uh, I just forgot to hit record on them and they never got posted. So uh, who did we have on? We had um, Steven Spielberg. Steven. Yes, that that was so amazing. He, he, I mean, he actually flew and, and the fact that he stayed at your house was pretty cool. I heard that no, he... We, no, please go ahead. I heard that he w really wasn't that impressed with your theater, though. No, he wasn't, <laughs> but he really appreciated my teabagging. Right. Oh, but did you did you wear the Jaw shirts around him? Actually, oh, let me ask you that. You're going to meet Steven Spielberg in 15 minutes. You get a phone call. It's a husky voice. Steven Spielberg will be at your house in 15 minutes. Do you put on your Jaws t-shirt like you have it on right now? No, this I'm I'm going to really pull it back that I got up this morning. I had a really crappy morning this morning. My dogs decided at 544 to get me out of bed. Ooh, crap tapulous. Yeah, it was crapulous. Crapulous, um, yeah. And I never really went back to sleep. And so what oh. you're seeing me in is actually a shirt that I slept in last night and I've not showered yet. And Isn't that the, the worst? Podcasting. When you feel tired, but your body yeah. won't let you go to sleep? Like, okay, I've got I got a couple of hours. And then it's just like, nah, we're good. It's gonna still yeah. feel like shit. Excuse my language. Well, I'm laying in I'm laying in bed and my mind is just doing flip flops. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm thinking of things that I'm like, okay, I don't want to think about this right now. And just, I never I kind of went back to sleep for about fifteen minutes and then I was like, Okay, I'm done. Yeah. And so, and, and then your body's like, What? What where are you going? It's five thirty. Well, then it really got pissed at me when I started pouring coffee into it. And it's like, no, no. Um, you know what? No, I if, if Mr. Spielberg calls, I'm I look, I, I had this discussion with my other podcast the other day yes. about, uh, with Men of the Ace so recording. Mm -hmm. And I tend not to wear geeky shirts in public. And it's not a conscious choice. My wife would actually say, yes, it is. She's like, you don't want to just be identified as a nerd. I just don't wear them. I don't I don't like the way they look in public. I'll sleep in them. So if Mr. Spielberg called, I would take off my Jaws shirt and put on my Schindler's List shirt. That's so funny, because what I was going to say is I would wear a red jacket. Oh, yours is even better. Um, And then, he, of course, he would not even get the reference. It'd have to be a tiny red jacket, like too small for me to get the, actually make the point. Um, yeah. Well, good, because, you know, it's always good to have a plan. It is. I would I wouldn't know what to say if he came over to my house it would um, be i would i would have to tell him that um the bicycle thieves is a tv movie i would have to get into that whole fight with him one of his favorite oh. films i've only seen it on tv so therefore it's a tv movie i'm sorry i i do something stupid like ask him have you seen the movie et <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i would rather have spielberg come over to the house versus Lucas. Lucas just strikes me as a grump, grump, grump. What do they call it? Grump on a log? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, hey, would you like some cake? No. Okay, what kind do you have? Chocolate. I hate chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. And all he'd want to talk about was FX 09-1230 or whatever, the movie that he made after right before star wars was that the prequel to thx one one three yeah okay it was a working title oh, okay all right so it's been a long time since we talked we obviously haven't had our podcast in a while because neither one of us can read and or speak clearly um 
So just real quick, I mean, a lot's happened. Holidays, New Year's, new new president. Um, we both we both have received uh, the Steve Steve Jobs tracking shot. Um, yes. And I'm trying to think there were any like really big pop culture things that happened. I know that uh, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Billie Eilish's uh, special on Apple TV I thought was really good. I can't wait for you to see that because I really want to talk to you about it. Probably one that we we have seen and shared <clears throat> that I, I think was at the top of the list there would have been Justice League. And what's the guy's name? Richard Marks cut? Uh, yes, Richard Marks. <laughs> the Richard Marks cut of Justice League has not hit HBO Max, but it is on some secondary streaming systems. Hold the Zack on Snyder cut. to the flash. What was it? Zack Snyder. No, what's his name? Zack Snyder. Okay. So... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, maybe, maybe this is your first time to stumble upon this podcast. Right. What I'm going to ask you to do is go back a few episodes and listen to when we did this well. But one thing you also need to know about Jeff, actually, there are two things. He is minimalistic Jeff. If you are talking about something that is deep, he'll be like, is that a movie? Right. It'll just be something very base. He also forgets everybody's <laughs> names. Uh, we worked on projects together where I constantly had to remind him that's the name. Yeah. That's this. And he... I don't. I never know if that's a bit with you or if that's really yeah. something you struggle with. I think I've created my own psychosis. I think it started as a bit, mm -hmm. and then it just you know neurons were built, and that's just the pathway my brain takes now. Instead of instead of taking a ride and going going through fact checking, and <laughs> and memory portions of my brain, it just it's a straight shot down seventy five to make shit up town and so i saw zach snyder who's zach snyder i don't even know who that is is that somebody you don't know who zach snyder is no <laughs> first off he's the director of justice league he oh. directed 300 he directed batman versus superman he but directed the, so i did say his name right i did say his name right yes oh okay well, the first one, no, you said Richard Marks. Right. <laughs> now you've even forgotten what name you said. Oh, man, that's funny, because sometimes a little a little memory gets in there. So anyway, um, I know that you know the backstory a little bit better than I do. Uh, and rather than minimalist, Jeff, give the interpretation. So let's talk just real briefly about what happened with the original Justice League came out and then why this guy decided, like, hey... I want to make a four-hour movie because Gandhi had the record. Or I don't can't remember what the record is for the longest movie, but um, he decides. Actually, go ahead. No, no. He decides, I'm going to redo it. So, I, I and to be fair, I don't really know this for sure anymore, but it, for the longest time, the longest film was an Andy Warhol film where it was a shot of the Empire State Building. I oh. Believe, and it was just a one really long, like, 24-hour film. Um, yeah. You sure it wasn't just um, a picture? It might have been, Jeff. It might have been. Pictures might be the longest movie. Anyway, I'm so sorry. One frame per hour. Go ahead. So, so <laughs> Justice League, the original cut, comes out in 2017. And I'm going I'm to be as very streamlined on this as I can. Got it. Uh, Warner Brothers steps in and interferes with it because previous Snyder films, including Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, 
had all taken a tone that was, you know, rather serious and grim. And I think that Warner brothers started thinking when they saw the returns on Batman V Superman, it was like, uh, what have we done? Well, first off Warner brothers, what you've done is you've hired a filmmaker who likes things that are rather grim. He likes things that are a bit over serious. When you saw man of steel and you see Superman without any joy in his heart, you're probably going to get that same thing down here. So the sad part of this is, is that, um, and I don't have uh, Zack Snyder's wife's name in front of me. It's Deborah something uh, is his producer, their child, their daughter sadly committed suicide. Oh, during the making of justice league. Oh, and they of course were like, of course we want you to go take care of everything with your family. We would never ask you to work. We'll just replace you. And they bring in Joss Whedon who Joss Whedon, creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, directed the first Avengers, maybe even done the second one, now that I think about it, um, comes in, and this man now is, of course, ostracized from Hollywood because of his handling of things within Justice League, as well as the way he's treated other people. Sidebar, though. Um, he comes in and screws the pooch. He basically watches the film and decides that he needs to rewrite it and needs to inject some humor needs to reshoot a bunch of scenes and the movie the movie i don't have the box office in front of me but you know it it does okay Mm -hmm. but ultimately it shits the bed because it's a mess when you went to watch it i I remember going to see it and i'm i I would say i'm somewhat of an apologist for dc comics because i love batman I, i loved superman um but even when you're watching it, you're kind of like, um, this doesn't make a ton of sense. There would be things where characters show up for no reason. Famously, they need to reshoot some stuff with Superman, who he was, uh, uh, Henry Cavill was off making the latest Mission Impossible and had a mustache in it. He came in in his Superman suit with a mustache because he contractually could not shave it. They had to use computers to remove it. Um, it's just a colossal mess. So over the time, the fans basically started clamoring for we want to see Zack Snyder's version of this film. So it grows to 229 million in the United States and Canada. Uh 428 million in other territories. So worldwide total of right around 657 million budget was 300 million. So when you look at a movie that the easy thing to say is wow that looks like they did a 2 to 1 return on investment. Right. The problem with that is that's probably not factoring in a lot of uh, advertising budgets. Oh, sure. Uh, You're you're also looking at a $300 million investment. You're wanting it to be more like one point something billion dollars back on that instead of 600 million. Right. So that's a flop. That is colossally a flop. So the fans start clamoring for, we we know that there's a Zack Snyder version and Zack Snyder on Twitter, who he's pretty engaged with the fans, comes out and says, yeah, I basically, I have a version of it. And they start clamoring and clamoring. Well, HBO is looking for some kind of home run to put on HBO Max. And they finally tell Zack Snyder, go make your movie. And Zack Snyder delivers a four-hour version of that movie, which I think I said to Jeff when we were talking about it, it is bloated. It is exactly what a Zack Snyder film is going to be, which it's a little overly serious. But it is infinitely better than the Josh Whedon smash and crash version of it. It, yeah. it at least plays okay to the point where you're like, okay, I kind of get what they're doing. I kind of like some of these things. And I just, you know, the nice thing he did was he broke it into different parts. And so you yes. had the black screen with, uh, you know, part one, part two. So Chapters. I was, 
yeah chapters so i would just i would just watch a chapter and you know go to so it was easier to digest that way um i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a super fan of of hero movies or television shows or anything and i, I think what um what was done with with the original batman directed by with chris nolan chris nolan tim chris nolan uh, tim burton was good too but chris nolan did a great thing with batman i just look at him more as a film and mm-hmm. you know go from there but uh again you know I, I was just like oh now i did go scrub through the original version and you're right there's a lot of really bad jokes folks you mm-hmm. think the jokes here are bad go watch the original justice league there's some horrible ones uh within it so that came out uh and you know had a pretty big uh splash um for all mankind is is uh also something else i checked out which is on apple tv plus um which talks about the space race and everything but it takes place in an alternate universe where the russians are the first people to land on the moon and how that changes american politics and then ends up resulting in a much more uh faster acceptance of trying to get a base on the moon and everything first season Top notch. Second season, I'm, I'm having some difficulty, and my interest has waned a bit. Have you watched any of For All Mankind? No, but I it, it hit my radar again. You had told me to watch it, and then I saw something the other day about either that they're in production on season two or they had greenlit season two. I need to. It's it's definitely on that. I've you're gonna give me. You're probably gonna play my hoity toity music. So nope. if you'd like, to don't even it have it queued up. If I push any buttons, I'll mess the show up anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I've been trying to do is uh, with Criterion Channel is trying to watch a lot of those films that I feel like I should have seen all those years ago, and I I, I end up doing a bit more of that than TV these days. And there's yeah, that's good. I I should be doing that too. Um, yes, you should. You know, it's better for your brain. I think it, it is. It is. Of course, I'd never remember who was in them or what movie I saw. But here's uh, what you need to do. Just let me program, because you can go and let me program your library. Just give me access to your account. I'll program your library, and those are the ones you watch. Okay. We'll do that. Yeah. So Basically, I have to spoon feed you. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's kind of, you know, some of the music. And I I know we have kind listeners out there who are like, what about this show? Or what about that? But, you know, again, we, we can't hit on everything. And. I'm trying to think things that that, that uh, kind of stuck out. The other area, I mean, uh, and you're the person to ask about this, is like, has there been any major happenings when it comes to music? Has there been anything that's been, did Bruce put out a new album? Um, Bruce did put out a new album that I will say, you know, and I'm always happy to admit when I'm not a super fan of something and someone I like, and the letter to you is the latest one. It hadn't hit me like a, ton of bricks i've been like it's okay i don't find myself listening to it um i will tell you that one of the things that probably for me has hit the radar more than i expected it to is my child has fallen back in love with uh taylor swift and she had folklore her new album which won album of the year uh every time i turned around you know the critic was raving over it and i have to admit it's pretty damn good and what i'd even said to, to abby is you know I think what that young lady did was that she's a good songwriter. She's a really good lyricist. And the fact that she's able to tap into what it feels like to be a teenager. And, and there may be people that may want to punch me over this, but I think there's truth to it. I think that what Taylor Swift is doing is not that far away from what somebody like Kurt Cobain did for a generation at one point, wow. which is I understand what it's like to be you. And I think that's why her fans 
obviously a very different genre, a very different type of a performance, et cetera, but still they feel that there's a voice. Wow. And when I listened to this latest one, she's rather grown up in it. You know, she's always been one of those that writes music about kind of dissing old boyfriends, but she has one song that, and, and I don't remember the name of it. I'm going to butcher the line, but she's talking about her old boyfriends. And it, it, the line is literally almost something like I used to write a song to hurt them. And now I'm writing, uh, buying presents for their babies. And I thought, wow, that, that shows a level of maturity, you know, yeah. and, I, and I, I like hearing songwriters evolve. So there's, there's, there's interesting stuff out there. We just aren't seeing any real live performances right now. <clears throat> the, uh, that's great. And, and, and I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a swing at it and take a listen. Folklore is the name of the album. One, thank you. Uh, one of the things I did see that I was surprised over the, uh, break, we'll call it, um, was I watched the Garth Brook Christmas special that was on television. Now, those words put together to me might as well be let's watch the longest movie hour, which is a still shot of the Empire State Building. <laughs> um, but I have to say it was really good. Really? And what made it good, and this is going to have a little bit in reference to the, to, to the um, Golden Globes or award shows during this this pandemic, they didn't try and make it a television broadcast. They did move to different locations within his house, but most of it was just, you know, him standing there with his guitar, his wife. I want to say that's Trisha Yearwood. I don't know. Um, just sitting there and then singing songs like, hey, I've got a song I'd like to sing. And then he'd sing. And then, you know, she sang a couple songs and they moved into the kitchen and, and she's baking cookies. And it literally was like FaceTiming with a relative. Hmm. And kudos to the producers and Garth Brooks and his wife for agreeing and doing it that way because it's the polar opposite of these people in suits that can that that just refuse to to get some creativity and some problem solving and and do something different. You can't do the Golden Globes like a television broadcast. It doesn't work. You got Zoom, you got bandwidth issues, things are going to go wrong. You know, it's, it's just disappointing. Um, and, and so, you know, that was something I saw. And again, put a million dollars on it. I, I would have never watched it uh, if it was presented to me. But once I got into it, it was, it was really, really good. You know, he's somebody that I didn't really feel one way or the other about when he was huge. Um, I think Friends in Low Places is a great song. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of good stuff, but you're probably the second or third person I heard mention that, that they watched it and they thought it was very well done and interesting approach to it. So kind of sad that I didn't see it. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with admitting that it's not a, it's not shot in a studio. It's not on a mm -hmm. stage. They just took it for what it was and everyone else should take a note because this is, this it's enough of a facade already when you watch a program uh -huh. to try and build another facade on top of it. This makes it to look too plastic. So I'll get off my, uh, my, uh, apple crate. Um, but that's kind of, go ahead. May I throw something out to you real quick? Absolutely. The longest film on record, according to Wikipedia, and I'm going to butcher this. Amra, Ekta, Cinema, Bonobo, and yeah, I'm sure you may have recorded that. Uh, the, the Bonobo. 
2019. Would you like oh. to guess how long that film is? Six hours and 53 minutes. Okay, let's jump to... Actually, there is one for six hours and 53 minutes made in 1923 called LaRue. No, this one is 21 hours, 1260 Jeez. minutes. Now, what I can't tell in this, if that, if that was... Because it says some of these are extended cuts, director's cuts. I don't know if this is released in installments. Good Lord. Um, but, I mean... Obviously, there's nowhere in the world that's going to show. What's the tagline? What's the story about? All right. The film is based on love, dreams, politics, revolution, the aftermath of the Bangladesh uh, Liberation War. It features the deceptive turns, twists of locality, people's struggles, and aspirations. Are we sure this guy just didn't take existing films and just edit them together? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As a matter of fact, he took about 23 films and put them together. We can do that. Maybe that's something we should aspire to do. Make the longest movie ever. Well, what we could do is almost, we could do it the way that my daughter listens to music, which Abby will, I can tell you all these great Taylor Swift things, but she'll literally get two thirds of the way in the song and she'll flip to the next song. (gasps) What are you doing? What? I'm a little tired of that song. I'm like, Abby. Oh my God. We need to hurt me. We need to get an intervention going. I can't tell you what I'd do. I would absolutely, I, I, I'd probably faint and follow. You know those goats that faint and fall over? That's what I That's what I would do. Oh, well, she changed the song again. Jeff's going to need help up. we film like that, when we get bored with it, we just switch to a new movie. Yeah, yeah, just a completely different <laughs> completely different script, characters. Yep. And we'll call it, we'll call it, you know, what the it, you know. What? Wait, we've already dropped about three S bombs, and you deep the F. I don't know. I'm just, I, sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. Um, okay, so that's that's a good catch up. Let's let's move forward. Uh, I did look at news headlines, and there's there's a bunch of stuff that, and, and, and I guess as as co-host and producer of the podcast, it, it is a little biased in the in the headlines I pick. So I know there's other stuff out there, but I found three things that I thought would be interesting to talk to you do it and there's i know there's one show that where todd gets a little uh minimalist jeff (laughs) and so i saw uh and this comes to us from vulture.com we need to start a news website come up with like vulture i I just don't understand about buzzard buzzard dead buzzard news the Friends Reunion will be here oh. for you just as soon as it films next week. Oh. Yeah. So I'm guessing on the on the Todd scale of of this is something I want to see. This is not moving that needle at all. I need to I need to have a moment with you as my friend. Can I can I talk to you about something? <laughs> yeah. So, so Oh, this is just you and me though, right? Yeah, this is just you. Okay, I'm po- I'm stopping the podcast right now. Okay, go ahead. So, back whenever this news first started hitting that, you know, we might be able to, on the horizon, had to put this together. I know my wife and daughter really love this show, so <laughs> I had to be aggressive and write to the people that take care of Roku and say, you really got to put the HBO Max app on Roku TVs, and I've had to install it on all my TVs because my girl's going to watch that special over and over oh, they'll watch it more than once oh my god and what will happen too they're gonna eventually get to david schwimmer and he's gonna whine oh god almighty i hate that dude i ugh. 
I have watched every episode of Friends. I know that's not big on the, the list of, of accolades and or accomplishments, but for something that I kind of feel the same way as you do about it, it it's definitely, it's more like passing a kidney stone, which I've done. Um, and, and why, why, but you know, there, Hey, let's look at it this way. There'll be a lot of happy people. Two yeah. thirds, two thirds of your household is going to be ecstatic. Yes, they are. <laughs> One small third will be, uh, pardon me. Now, are they going to make, <laughs> I'm a very large third, sir. <laughs> I'm the biggest third there is. Um, will you watch it with them? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's pop See? culture. I'll watch it. Okay. So th- let's be real fair about friends. I've probably seen all of them too. I, I watched it early on and at that first season, I thought was pretty funny, pretty pretty clever um i i really think up through the i guess what they call the kiss or whatever when rachel and ross kiss thought it was a pretty well constructed sitcom however after that was when i started despising sitcoms because it's so effing predictable you you know the camera shots almost tell you what's going to happen and it's the same if you go watch golden girls it's the same show every time i still think that some of the things in the early seasons between um Joey and Chandler, I think are very funny. I think those two right. actors work well together. I think that Jennifer Aniston has some great comedic timing. I think the rest of the cast needs to be punched. I just, you know, and, and then I think also that show is horrifically problematic because it makes fun of Asian Americans. It makes fun of fat people. It, you know, it makes fun of gays. It, it, it is such a thing of its time that it's almost like, why, why are, if we're going to correct this crap, why right. are we not at least putting something in front of the episode where, uh, uh, what's Courtney Cox's character's name? Courtney Cox. Okay. Where her character is wearing the fat suit. Yeah. Why aren't we yeah. basically saying the punchline of this entire show is about fat people? Mm-hmm. And we're really sorry. Right. I, I just don't find the show that funny. And especially the fact that every freaking night in my house, that show is on <laughs> one of my TVs. Yeah. That, that, uh, theme song, as soon as you begin to hear it, just really kind of tears, <laughs> Uh, the paint off the walls. That's an interesting fact. And, and to me, and we don't have to get too deep into it on, on this episode, but it is interesting with everything that's going on with old tweets and old shows and mm-hmm. certain studios re-editing or cutting out scenes because of that, why this hasn't been uh, a little bit under uh, fire. Um, right. And uh, so for those that are interested, and of course, now that, you know, it's that, any press is good press. Now that we've talked about it, we'll have to watch it. Coming to your television set, May 27th. What? Oh, are they saying that's when it's going to come out? No, it's this one on a long-awaited reunion. Initially, initially scheduled to premiere on May 27th, 2020. Uh, do they have it? Does the Vulture, does Vulture.com have it? We don't, so we don't know when it's coming out. Stay tuned. Read your newspaper. Look for the signal in the sky. Go ahead. I think one thing that I want to say about this too is I don't understand why anyone is excited about this reunion because they're just going to get together and talk about producing the show. They're not making new episodes. This would be like, okay, I am a huge fan. I'm looking at my poster of the police on my wall over there. I love the police. If they ever announced, Hey, we're going to have a reunion, but with no tour, we're just going to sit on a couch and talk to each other. I'd be like, okay oh is that what it is this isn't like a storyliner this is just no this is basically them getting together for a special where they talk oh and i'll be shocked if they don't show some clips in it and right remember that time yeah 
Yeah. I could once. Okay. Let's go back to our method of assembling a movie. I bet I can go to YouTube and find interviews with all of them and assemble my own special. Right. Good point. It's a waste. It, it is nothing but a cash grab by uh, Warner brothers to get HBO max subscribers. Cause I think that's where you're going to have to watch it. You're right. Good point. And we won't, it's not on the docket this week, but coming to America too is another reunion that came out recently. Did you uh, watch it? I, I did. Um, and, and, and in some ways it's, it's like that, but we can, we can, we can save that. We can say that's this week. Yeah. For, yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be interesting. Anyways, um, $450 million. I I'm guessing that's still a lot of money. Um, cause every headline you read is about trillions of dollars, but, uh, did you see knives out? I did. And I love that movie. Really, really smart movie. Very. One of the things I like about it is it, is it treated for being a, a a the, the type of movie that is which is a little campy right there's, mm-hmm. oh there's been a moita um thought it was it treated the audience very intelligently and was well done well somebody who was a really big fan of that movie and put up 450 million dollars for sequels is netflix so i'm excited about seeing that um and we'll see what they do i mean I'm scared a little bit. Like, I think one of the things that makes it great is there's one. Um, we obviously know from your knowledge of film and everything as well. If one's great, let's make another because it's it's yeah. more money. Um, and and it, it is going to feature Daniel Craig, which is, which is good. Because um, he's no longer going to be Bond, James Bond. So in that release, is Brian Johnson going to write and direct all of these, or is he just producing? Does it say? They say that- Ryan, Ryan Johnson being the director who's done great work outside of The Last Jedi. Right. You know, I'll battle anybody that's a piece of crap, but Knives Out, and let's talk budget again. It was a $40 million budget, comes back worldwide making $311 million, so seven times written investment return. That's humongous. It says here that they are tapping the film stylings of Richard Marks, who will write and direct it. <laughs> I, I basically, that was just version of teabagging me right there. I feel, I will feel so bad if like in his older years, Richard Marks is actually like doing documentaries about dead puppies or something, or how to save elephants. I'm like, I'll feel bad. I, I hope he does. Um, <laughs> Let's, just to shut you up, by the yeah. way, Knives Out 2 is officially listed as his currently. Good. What I'm surprised by, though, a $40 million budget, why do they need $450 million to purchase this property? Now, I realize that's probably production budgets, et cetera, but... It's two that, films. That, okay, so two films for $200 million each? We need, I, I, don't get the, I don't get the money. We need to make note of that. <laughs> yeah. We need to make note of that. So uh, if we're ever in the position of writing a sequel, boom. We'll be good. Hey, I'm sorry. Ryan Johnson took it from 40 <laughs> and got 450 million bitches. We, <laughs> one of the, and, and you know, he was smart about it. It all takes place in a house. Yeah. You know, so there you go. Um, so I'll be interested in seeing that. And then of course seeing, you know, what they do with it. Uh, I love a good story and I feel if they keep a lot of the same core group on there and don't try to get too, you know, like I'd be really sad if the, the first sequel is, knives out slash friends reunion you know during the friends reunion and they're talking about old stories there's a murder who killed chandler 
I cannot watch Knives Out 2 now because I'm going to keep expecting David Schwimmer <laughs> to pop out, and I hate you for that. So now, you and I have been around for many, many years. I think if you combine our ages, it comes out to like 37 or something. Um, <laughs> and I, we've seen some crazy stuff. And I'm just saying, you and I will be able to officially be part of the people that were on this round ball when somebody with a name, I'm trying to look up his name, Lil Nas X. Nas X. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> said, hey, I want to make shoes. Everybody's making shoes. I, I want to make a shoe for me sometime. Uh, calls it the Satan shoe, which I think's. I mean, you could start a little earlier in the alphabet. And they do contain human blood. I'm looking at a picture this off of, uh, oh gosh, is it Al Al Jazeera? Oh, wow. Well, you're reaching for the... Yeah. Um, That influence there. (laughs) Is that bad? Is that a bad website? Um, Hi, all the terrorists in the world that get their news. I'm kidding. Al Jazeera is not just terrorism. Okay. Well... Now I feel like an idiot. But anyway, the, sto- the, st- <laughs> the story is he invented some shoes, put a drop of human blood. Speaking of inflation, uh, they only made 666 pairs. See what he did there? And they sell for $1,018 each. Mm. Which I don't know if the 1018 is a reference to a Bible verse or whatever. Um, however, the, they have since asked them to stop production as they put the Nike swoosh on it and go figure these shoes come out with all of that uplifting marketing material and Nike's getting a little bit of cold feet. And so they have uh, since got a judge to do a cease and disorder, a di- cease and cease and dis- discontinue cease and desist. yeah, desist. The Satan shoe. Uh, two questions for Todd. One, Go. how many pairs did you buy? And two, three. are they comfortable? You, you only bought three shoes? Yeah, because the first two were uncomfortable. <laughs> the, the blood didn't really soothe my soul. So I got a question for you, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's up in an uproar about this, and, and I'm going to take us back to when we were young. And there was this guy named Ozzy Osbourne who bit the head off a bat. And it was like, oh my God, this is Satan worship. This is awful. Can I ask you a question? Did you do anything to harm people? You knew about that. Did it really affect you at all? Me, not so much. The neighborhood pigeons, a, a wee bit more. Um, <laughs> no. Mean, it's, yeah, it's one no. of these where it's like this uproar that's going on. I'm like, every, if, if all of you would just shut up. This would go away in five minutes, but it's like we have to latch on to something and go, oh my God, right? whatever. And we're this is so stupid. We're helping propagate that because we're talking about it right now. I, it was just something that, that caught my eye, but you're right. I mean, it caught my eye for, for those reasons. But I think as you know, we get older, I, I, I think it caught it for the reason like, you know, like who, I just wanted like whose blood is it? Do they take your blood and put it in the shoe or... Could I get blood from you and put it like I, you know, you on the left and then a little bit of me on the right? No, well, let's not go could there. Could it be David Schwimmer's blood? 
Swim? It's David Schwimmer's blood. If we've got him on a bed and we're draining him of his life blood to put him in shoes, I might be okay with that. So, uh, just a quick note, David Swimmer will never agree to be on this podcast, which I know. Thank God. <laughs> we just lost half of the friend's audience. It's all right. Okay. So that's bye-bye. Bye. Um, so that does it for some headlines and I just turned scroll lock on and I don't know what that means. Okay. Turn it off. Um, so let's get into our, our main topic. So to stage, uh, a, a rather big movie, um, that came out and I'm, I'm hoping you have the tail, the tape in front of you. Um, of course I do. This is a, a movie that both has been released in theaters limited and on HBO max. It's a little bit of both, little bit of both worlds. And of course, we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Here's Todd with the tale of the tape. The epic next chapter in the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons of motion picture history against one another: the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong, with humanity caught in the balance. This film hits. HBO Max, as they've decided they would do through the Warner Brothers catalog, they're they're going to release films to HBO Max that they would have put in the theaters without the pandemic in place. And it is their current release. It is directed by Adam Wingard, uh, which I'll just say right away, I just found out he is a fellow alum of Full Sail University. So he and I went to the same film school. Right. Um, King Kong, the original King Kong comes out in 1933. Uh, famously stars Faye Ray, Marion C. Cooper directs, Willis O'Brien does the special effects that are groundbreaking. The original Godzilla comes out in 1954. Uh, Boy, my mouth cannot form the word 50. Uh, Ishara Honda directs it. This film goes on to spawn countless sequels and whatnot that as a child, I loved both of these films, 1933's King Kong. In fact, if you go into my theater, we talk about the first film poster you see on the wall is the 33 King Kong. It, oh. it was one of those films that a young film geek Todd just could not get enough of. And still to this day, I will watch it and I'll watch the making of it. Love it. Godzilla was one of those that I don't know. I, I really don't know if I've ever seen the 54 version, but I know I've seen countless Godzilla films. Um, I bet you the 54 versions on the Criterion channel may add that as a note. Um, <laughs> but these films, these titans of the MonsterVerse, uh, these were never meant to be together. But Warner basically looked and said, hey, we have both of these properties. What if we created, created something? Right. They launched Godzilla, then relaunched it. They then made Kong Skull Island, which is one of those films that even though it is not a great film, I will watch it anytime it's on HBO. They set up this world and here we go. They throw them together in one mishmash of a monster movie. Starring Millie Bobby Brown and a few other, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Some Not, not anybody like other than Millie Bobby Brown. I mean, she's pretty hot right now. Coming off of, of Stranger Things. Brothers. Yeah, I mean, the Skarsgård brothers, they're all over the place. So you have Alexander here. You have um, Kyle Chandler has a little bit of a role. Yeah. But the most of what else you see are, I don't want to say smaller actors, Brian Terry Henry. He, he's been in a few things you, excuse me, you would know. Um, but it, that it's not star casting. Yeah. That's not what they're looking at. And, you know, one of the things right away is this is, 
you can even tell what they want is to get these two monsters to fight each other. That yeah. is what the crux of this film is. The human element is secondary to it. Um, and, and, you know, they, they don't waste a lot of time getting us there, but no. let, let's do this. Let's talk about the human element, because I think that yes. you and I would agree that, that, that story is n- not that interesting. There are times where you're watching and it's kind of like, I don't really understand the need for this. There is one thing though, that I think you and I agree. And let's talk about the little girl and the handling of her. Oh um, yes. Yep. There's one nice touch. And this comes early in the film when we see Kong for the first time and a young woman, a young woman, a little girl is out holding a handmade ver- like doll of Kong and she's handing it up to him. Yeah. Now I want you to say, because you're the one that brought it to me, how, how nicely you thought this element was handled. Right. Go ahead and tell everybody what you see right in this moment. Uh, so at this moment, uh, you know, like Todd said, Kong's running around his island and this little girl's there. And one of the things I, I liked that they did, which I thought was done very intelligently was the way that they reveal that the young girl is deaf. And the way that they do that is you go from Kong's perspective of looking at the girl and he's walking around to change perspective to her perspective. And when they make that change, the audio isn't 100% knocked out, but it's, it's definitely reduced. So you're just hearing the slight thud of Kong walking around. And I thought that was a, a really nice touch and really creative in doing that because there's a number of ways they could have done that signing or anything else could have also done that. But I, it was, to me, it was so gentle. I mean, they already had this touching moment between the, between Kong and, and the little girl. And I thought it was a, a really nice, gentle way of, of just introducing that uh, character element into the film. And, uh, yeah, it was, it made me go, Oh, that was cool. And, you know, and I won't lie that the, the monster film version, uh, lover of inside of me was like, eat the girl Kong, put her in your mouth and cheer up. I really did think <laughs> it for about two seconds. Um, but you know, I think you're right. I think that that's this, this filmmaker, uh, Adam Weingart, Weingart, I assume is how you say that now Wingard or Weingart. I'm not sure. Um, uses enough skill that you're like okay this is somebody that knows what they're doing um even in the presentation when we finally see this young lady sign there's never a moment of someone saying oh she's deaf right it's just an accepted fact within the story that this person knows and they begin signing and it's it, it's the stack of the audio mix to the just acceptance of the person that sees her signs to her and you're like oh they just visually told me a story right and it's it's really handled nicely so the reason i wanted to bring that up first is that I don't know that you get much character evolution throughout the rest of the film of anybody. No. But there's at least that. You at least yeah. have that. We then have things like Millie Bobby Brown running around. She's in the the previous Godzilla film. Her mother, Vera Formiga, in it had uh, perished, I believe, if I remember that correctly. And she's trying to get daddy Kyle Chandler to pay attention to her. She hooks up with some people that are doing a podcast, which is about the stupidest thing in the world that he doing this <laughs> podcast and nobody can figure out who he is. And I'm like, really? Nobody can figure out who he oh, is. We, we do a podcast and nobody knows who we are. <laughs> okay. That's a sidebar. Jeff. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, when we have our reunion series in right. you know, 20 years, we'll talk about that. We'll get uh, Chandler to host it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, go ahead. 
so so we've got those elements we've got uh, a billionaire who we don't really understand his motivations right. or doing what he does that boy that just constantly bothered me i was like why no why? no no backstory of motivation or why and just to me and, and just hearing you say that just seems to me that there are a lot of check boxes in this mm-hmm. you know big big monster fight check sensitive character evil billionaire you know so forth and so on right and we, we've got that um we have the the alexander skarsgård's character telling us about a theory of hollow earth and i'm like okay that's just kind of out there and you know it's that's something if you're going to introduce that that almost needs to be we need to have seen him discover that in one of the previous films and you know it's just like out of the blue now let's put all that aside all right because why did we watch this movie we did not watch it for character we watched it to watch two monsters go boom boom crash right and we get that pretty early on in one of the silliest scenes in the entire movie that shot really well which is kong is strapped up on a it's not a luxury liner what is that it's like a tanker it's It's a a flatbed tanker model sr 76 Uh, and he's chained up to it. They're out there in the middle of the ocean. And we, we have learned that Godzilla, they're afraid Godzilla will be able to sense Kong because apparently I think they called them Titans or alphas or yes. something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, that he'll sense it and there can only be one of them. Well, he senses it and he comes out into the ocean and they have a battle in the ocean. Now Godzilla works in the ocean because he can swim. We've seen that before. Yes. Kong is a really big monkey <laughs> and he's chained to a luxury liner and it flips <laughs> over and he goes under, you know, and, and then this whole thing ensues where Kong, even though he's really big, the ocean's a lot bigger. Yes. And I kept thinking, where's he getting leverage? He's, you know, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. And it's just one of those silly battles where you're like, Oh, I can look at this and I can sit there and pick it apart, but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, things things went crash, things went boom. The accuracy at which both Godzilla and King Kong can hit and and connect with airborne jets going mm-hmm. subsonic speed is phenomenal. His balancing act that he does cuz there is that scene where he jumps from the luxury liner to a number of other ships <laughs> while maintaining balance and fighting strength was also um <clears throat> rather interesting um and i understand that you know you need to have within so many minutes of the movie you need a little taste of that you know you got to give a little got to give a little you know get the flavor going get the audience in the mood i guess they decided to do it in the ocean because it was kong would be at a disadvantage or whatever but i i, I just thought that was an interesting and I guess they ran out because the big fight in the city, you know, you can't have him fight in a city twice. Right. Um, but, but you said something that was very interesting and that is this, um, it's easy to start trying to make sense, but once I just kind of just shut all that out and just watched it, it huh. became a, a, a little more, uh, enjoyable, a lot more enjoyable. But then it kept getting interrupted with Millie Bobby Brown running around, and I'm immediately thinking, wow, they just really piggybacked off of Stranger Things. It's young kids running around, 
in a government or the billion the, the billionaires offices and hacking things and um i thought that was kind of an interesting take in 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 a storyline that which you and i both agree in the end doesn't really go anywhere and as as I pick on this, and you're right, the suspension of disbelief is important in a film like this. And I think that there are films that do a fantastic job of providing that. I think E.T., you know, you have to have a suspension of disbelief with that something can come here and it can live in a boy's home. But he handles that so beautifully that we have a little boy who wants almost a father figure. You know, his dad's off divorced. Uh, he needs something. Right. So we have a reason to latch onto it. We have no reasons given to us here. So my suspension of disbelief did not begin probably until they went into the whole hollow earth thing. Hollow earth. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm following this. Um, before we get to hollow earth, I want to say, I feel because of having spoken to you now twice about this film. Yeah. I need to go back and watch it a second time. Yeah. And, and it is one of those that I can have on the background probably while I'm working or something like that, because I'm telling you that <laughs> battle in the ocean I almost turned this film off. I almost said, oh my God. Oh no. And it was because, okay, I'm going to jump to your first thing of Kong jumping off one luxury liner into the water. Literally, it was a shot of a Michael Bay film where Kong, <laughs> oh, an explosion behind him and slow moan. I was like, okay, Michael Bay. What bothered me the most was all it would take was this much attention to actual detail of if something as big as Kong climbed back on this tanker. Yeah, that tanker would dip into the water mm -hmm. and it might come back up, but it's literally treated like it is the most buoyant thing in the whole world. And right. he's it's not even rocking it. And I, I don't know. I just, I thought, God, just a little bit of truth right. would have taken me a long way. So I need to go back and watch it now that I can forgive it because now let's jump to, we have a hollow earth thing where they believe, I still don't know why they think that they can get a power there. That's going to help them. Do you know, again, I don't really understand that part, but they go and the hollow earth thing is right out of Jules Verne. I mean, it's very cool. It's like this ancient world. And this whole thing throughout is that Kong feels like he needs to be home. Yeah. And when he gets there, he feels like he's home because he begins to see relics of his kind. Right. And you, you realize that maybe Kong came from this hollow earth and somehow came out. We don't know how that would happen, but we understand it. That's kind of interesting. Right. I kind of right. dig that. And then we go into the throne room mm -hmm. where then, stuff starts getting crazy again where he finds an axe and puts it in the ground and it creates this glowing shape on the floor which looks like godzilla yeah and there's like a throne kong sits on his throne uh and then uh godzilla sen sensing something's happening in the hollow earth uses his beam of energy that emits from his mouth to drill a new hole to a hollow earth hole. yes <laughs> so that they can ensue and fight um again i'm not a, i'm not against action movies or or stuff like this but i i agree with you and and just having some reference or some ideas just a little bit closer would help um in just kind of making it flow a little bit, but I again, I understand this movie is this movie is meant for, you know, it's like trying to watch Need for Speed or some of those other action movies and trying to make you know 100% chance. One thing I do want to say real quickly about this though is this is a good time for this movie to come out. And yes. If, and if you can shut it off and just not like you you said it so well, suspend 
you know, disbelief, you know, or logic and just let it flow. Even though you go through some tough to chew parts at the, at the end, I, I, I felt like, you know, that was, well, that was fun. You know, not the greatest ride, but you know, not bad. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Cause I, and I, I don't want to give away the entire plot of the film. I know right, to right. review it, we kind of have to tell some of it. But let me say this from the point on right here, because no, I still don't understand why we had the re retro Excalibur where instead of taking the blade from the stone, we put the axe into the stone. And <laughs> and then, then I saw the light up of Godzilla. I still don't understand what that means. I, I've yeah. kind of pondered back to it. But I remember telling Abby and Shelly, my wife and daughter, about this. And, and I was like, the weird thing was, is about this time I started kind of having fun with the movie. It was just so stupid that I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And from this point forward, it does become exactly what you want it to become, which is just beating the crap out of each other. Because then we go to a, a battle within a city that really is shot. If you've watched any of the original Godzilla films, uh, Adam Wingard definitely went and watched those films or somebody helped him watch them because some of the shots are like, Oh my God, they, they're doing the exact almost Godzilla's look like a man in a costume. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There are moments like that. And I was like, Oh, this is what I wanted. And you see these two Titans battle. We even get the appearance of a true villain. I won't, I won't say it for anybody that hasn't seen it, right, but right. it is one of Godzilla's greatest villains shows up in it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But at the end of it, I was still kind of like, <laughs> I don't understand the blue glowy thing. I don't, right. does this mean because Kong's throne was in the middle of it, were they the Kings over the lizards? And I don't get it because I thought Godzilla was a byproduct of nuclear yeah, stuff. They actually show that initial. in the opening credits, they show the right. nuclear bomb going off and yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't understand. I, I, I just don't understand the blue glowy Godzilla thing and it, I can't get away from it. But like you in the end, I have fun with it so long as I can ignore the Millie Bobby Brown parts right. and all the other things and the occasional silliness of how it, it becomes a monkey running off a luxury liner. <laughs> Just think about the amount of tourism that hollow earth is going to get now. So man, kind listeners book your tickets now. Um, hollow earth. It's, it's just like Kansas. Okay, they didn't hire me to do their marketing campaign. The movie was Godzilla vs. Kong. It's out in theaters now, and it's also available with a subscription to HBO Max. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Info at theotherkindradio.com is our email address. And um, I, to me, again, this is just, uh, I'm getting excited about just kind of getting back back to it and having films and content and stuff come out. And so... Uh, Again, I think it was it was a, it was a more of a spoonful of sugar than than apple vinegar for me. Um, all right, so we've managed to uh, after a v very shaky start, we've managed to work our way through an hour of your time, an hour of Todd's time, um, and I, I really don't have anything else. So we'll I'll send it over to you, Todd, for final thoughts, and then we'll, we'll get out of here, uh, shake the dust off, and come back next week. And I did want to say real quick, we normally do. Oscar prediction. I'll talk to Todd and see if there's something that we're going to do with that. Um, whether we, we won't do a show where we do our prediction, but we may still do our prediction list, but our next show will be, uh, next a week from today after the Oscars are out and, uh, we'll do, be doing a review there and talking about the films and actors that have won awards. Uh, but now I'll throw it over to Todd for final thoughts and then we'll get out of here. 
you know, just like you, I'm, I'm happy to get back and have something to talk about. Um, I will say that, you know, I, I famously dislike award season. However, there are a lot of interesting films that I can't wait to talk about that are getting award tension. Um, there are a lot of things that, again, when we talk about new content, that's why I'm excited to share this with everyone. Cause I think there are some films that deserve your attention. I think they deserve you renting them at home. So next week, please tune in, please listen. Cause we're going to share some of those thoughts out with you. There's a lot of great stuff to be watching. So well said, see, you just are a professional. You are so good. Thank you for summing that up. I'll read our last line here. First time listeners and congratulate on finding this podcast among the plethora of podcasts that are out there. Uh, Todd and I are glad that uh, you joined us today and, and thank you for that. If you do have any feedback or want to contact us, info, info at theotherkindradio.com is the email address. And uh, as Todd said, we'll be back next week. Till then, everybody stay safe, be kind, and remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio.